Hello and welcome again to Holy Crap It Sports, brought to you by the Palatial Broadcast Studios here in lovely Sandy Springs, Georgia. A lovely Monday afternoon, April 15th. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. And this is another example of what's going on in the world of baseball. A lot of crazy stuff going on. It is Jackie Robinson Day. April 15th, we're here. Not a lot of teams playing. Well, some of them are playing. Some of them will be playing tomorrow, Tuesday, and they'll have more stuff on that tomorrow. But Richard Justice has a great article out about this, about what is in store for a lot of the teams on Jackie Robinson Day. And, of course, a couple have already played since it's Patriots Day up there in Boston. And uh, they got the uh, race and everything off besides a little rain early this morning. But they got the uh, game underway, and the Orioles beat the Red Sox, who are really struggling coming out, but more on that later. Uh, Richard Justice, as I said, put out an article about Jackie Robinson's remarkable life. He's going to be honored, of course, throughout Major League Baseball today and tomorrow, and today is the 72nd anniversary of his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and of course, a lot of people say that was really the start of the American Civil Rights uh, Movement, and according to Justice here, it rippled across the United States, from Birmingham to Little Rock, from some to the Lincoln Memorial. Well, that's not exactly across the United States. If you look at it geographically, that's just in the South. And I think we all know that there was a lot of racist problems in 1947, not just in the South. But uh, we'll digress. We'll just move on. All players, managers, coaches, and umpires will wear Robinson's number 42, which was retired league-wide back in 1997. Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera, who retired after the 2013 season, was the last active player to wear number 42. And home teams that are off today will wear the number 42 and have on-field ceremonies tomorrow on Tuesday. Commemorative sleeve patches will be added to uniforms this year, along with matching insignia on the caps. Players, managers, and coaches may wear a Jackie Robinson 100 t-shirt during batting practice. I bet a lot of people would like to get their hands on those. The Jackie Robinson Day logo will be on the bases and dugout lineup cards, with MLB donating all licensed royalties from the sale of the items to the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Good cause. And Jackie's wife, Rachel Robinson, founder of the Jackie Robinson Foundation, and their daughter and son, Sharon and David, will attend the Jackie Robinson Day ceremonies at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. In 2017, the Dodgers unveiled the park's first sculpture. Isn't that amazing? The Dodger Stadium, which basically came along when I was born, just got its first sculpture, uh, Jackie Robinson sliding into home plate on Jackie Robinson Day. I haven't seen it in person, but I've seen uh, photos of it, and it looks pretty cool. Looking forward to seeing this. Mark Bowman of MLB.com going around the league here, seeing what's going on in both leagues. Uh, The Braves, he said, have won the National League East every year that Tiger Woods has won the Masters. Hmm... Things to think of. By the way, congratulations to Tiger. It was a pretty good uh, day and night in the state of Georgia for sports on Sunday with Tiger winning the Masters in Augusta and the Braves winning on ESPN's national television uh, against the Mets. Of course, if you watch the pregame lead-up on ESPN and even MLB.com and MLB Network, uh, it seemed to me that Jacob deGrom was just going to play uh, pitch with and catch with himself uh, for the entire three hours and not have anything to do with the Braves because... I didn't think the Braves were needed. They seem superfluous. That's not even a word, superfluous, uh, according to ESPN. But, no, they played. They showed up. And for the second straight game, DeGrom got rocked, even though somebody in the booth said it would be an anomaly 
that the Twins did that to him the other day. I won't say who, softball player. Uh, The Philadelphia Phillies have placed reliever David Robertson on the 10-day injured list with soreness in his pitching elbow. Robertson, who's 34 years old, I didn't know he was that old, a 5.40 ERA and seven appearances this season, his first with the Phillies, of course, you know, former Yankee and all that. The righty threw two scoreless innings Sunday in Philly's 14-inning victory over the Marlins. So to replace him, Philly has recalled right-hander Drew Anderson from AAA Lehigh Valley, and they did that uh, today. A weird note from the Cincinnati Reds, they tweeted this out, according to the Elias Sports Kirk Casale is the first Red Legs catcher since 1900 to start a game batting leadoff. You don't hear of catchers batting leadoff uh, very often. Grant McCauley uh, reported on this that Braves outfitter Ronald Acuna Jr. has been named the National League Player of the Week. What did he do to deserve this? 545 batting average. That's 12 for 22. 630 on-base percentage. He had a double, a triple, three home runs, nine RBIs, one stolen base, seven runs scored, and four walks. And, yes, I said RBIs. I'm still old school on that. I understand when people just say RBI, and I have uh, good friends who say that, but I'm still doing what I did as a kid, saying RBIs, and that's what I'm going to do. Chris Landers has a good article about, I don't know if a lot of you have been following this, and it's all other teams like the Texas Rangers are doing it too now, but Braves fans – and the media have been putting uh, Tiger Woods photos. That's one photo of him from a few years ago. Every time the Braves do something, good or bad, the Tiger Woods meme pops up. And people are wondering, where is this coming from? Well, Chris Landers knows. Over the past couple of weeks, Braves fans have turned Tiger Woods into one of the weirdest memes of 2019. Whenever Atlanta baseball is being discussed on the Internet, you got Tiger. It began, as these things often do, as a throwaway gag. A few years ago, Scott Coleman, a writer for the SB Nation Braves site called Talking Chop, and TalkingChop.com does a great job covering not just the Braves but the minor leagues, happened upon a peculiar photo. It is, in its own weird way, a perfect encapsulation of watching a baseball game slip away from your favorite team. There's Tiger in a suit, smiling, but in a way that makes you suspect that his dog has just been taken hostage off camera. After a tough loss early in the 19th season, Coleman and some other Braves fans busted it out again, and from there the meme was born. It's popped up everywhere, from avatars to the mentions of rival teams, the hilariously flop-sweaty rallying cry of an entire fan base. Of course, the Braves are off to a decent start after losing that first three to uh, Phillies up in Philadelphia. Uh, but it is a funny photo of uh, Tiger Woods. There's another photo going around Tiger Woods having the green jacket put on him by Joe Biden, and Biden is sniffing his hair. And uh, someone pointed out, obviously not a Bulldogs fan, that finally someone wearing red and black won a championship in the state of Georgia. But we're not going to go there yet. It's not college football season just yet. Mookie Betts is taking the Red Sox start very hard. In fact, they, they lost again today. Nobody's taking it harder than him. They're the defending World Series champions. Uh, Betts is the winner of the American League's Most Valuable Player Award last season. And uh, basically, he went off on himself after today's 8-1 to loss to the Orioles. And we'll have more about Chris Davis in a little bit. Betts says, basically, what I'm doing is unacceptable. I have to figure out a way to get something done and help this team. While the Red Sox are just 6-11, and 11, they're already six and a half games behind Tampa Bay in the AL East. Mookie is batting just two twenty two, has three homers and seven RBIs. Ronald Acuna Jr. had three RBIs just this week. Speaking of Chris Davis and the Orioles, 
It turns out that a four-game road series against the defending World Series champions is just what Davis, no relation, and the Orioles have needed after snapping his historic 62-plate appearance hitless streak on Saturday. Davis belted his first home run of the season this morning in the Orioles' 8-1 win. The eighth-inning shot to right field off right-hander Heath Hembry soared out of Fenway Park with an exit velocity of 108 miles per hour, according to StatCast. That's that's hot. Davis had not homeward since August 24th of last season. That's a 35-game drought. He's been getting into a rhythm this series with his timing and the way he was seeing his pitches. It looked like he was just slightly swinging, just putting the bat out there and letting the, the speed of the pitchers, baseball, and pitch do all the work for him. And guess what? It looks smooth again. Uh, last season, the Orioles lost the series 16-3 to to the Red Sox. They are, get this, 244 and 293 all-time in Boston. And you got to think, though, for a lot of those years, after they became, after they left St. Louis and were the Browns and came to Baltimore back in the 50s, they weren't really good until the 60s. And then they got kind of bad again in the 80s, 90s, off and on bad. So I can see that record there. And you can say that Toronto Blue Jays reliever Thomas Pannon made quick work of the Rays as quick as you can in Major League Baseball while recording three strikeouts in an inning. He became the 89th different pitcher in Major League history to strike out the side on nine pitches, setting down Tampa Bay in the fifth inning. The 24-year-old lefty fanned a swinging Avicel Garcia, then caught Brandon Lowe and Daniel Robertson looking at strike three. He became the third Toronto pitcher to accomplish the feat, joining Roger Clemens in 1997, cheater, and Steve Delabar back in 2013. And speaking of weirdness, a minor league team, Got no hit, but got the win. Sunday, a bittersweet day for the Arkansas Travelers, the AA affiliate of the Mariners. I remember the Travelers were always Cardinals territory, man. That was the Cardinals AA affiliate. In fact, my dad and granddad uh, took me to see a Travelers game when I was a kid at the old stadium there in Arkansas in Little Rock. I think they have a new one now. But the good news for the Travelers, they walked off with a win over the Tulsa Drillers, who are the Dodgers AA affiliate. Uh, the Travelers were no hit, though. Thanks in part to the extra innings tiebreaker rule, Arkansas catcher Joseph Odom worked a bases-loaded walk in the 10th inning to give the Travelers the win. Extra innings in the minors began with a a runner at second base, which makes for ugly baseball but does protect the young arms. According to this story, the primary goal in the minors is develop, not winning, and there's no need to put young players in danger by overworking them in extra innings. Once again, the pussification of America. Arkansas scored their 10th inning run without even putting the ball in play. After starting the inning with a runner at second, Tulsa hurler Lewis Head got two quick outs before hitting a batsman, then walked walk to lose the game. Arkansas batters drew seven walks in the game despite being no hit. And we've seen a few no-hitters losses at the MLB level over the years. Most recently, back in 2008, when errors by Jared Weaver and Jeff Mathis allowed the Dodgers to win one nothing despite zero hits. Uh, the Braves made a move today on Monday afternoon. Johnny Venters, who frankly has not looked all that good this year, he was hit by left-handers again last night. Johnny Venters has been put on the 10-day injured list with a right calf strain. And you always worry when uh, Johnny goes down on the uh, 
the IL because of all his history with the two and a half, three, three and a half, whatever it is, uh, Tommy John surgery. So we hope that he'll be able to make his way back. If you missed it over the weekend, the Braves also sent struggling starter Sean Newcomb down to AAA Gwinnett. And closer Erodis Vizcaino has been put on the injured list. And by the way, I've said this before and I'll say it again, the Braves will never win anything championship-wise with Vizcaino as the closer. That's what I believe. Uh, Newcomb, which has been in the rotation since June of 2017, uh, couldn't hold a 4 nothing lead in the Braves' win Saturday over the New York Mets. In fact, the flop sweat was all over him. He allowed five hits, four runs, and two walks, and one in a third innings. This is after the Mets pitcher just lasted one-third of an inning. Uh, Vizcaino is sidelined with inflammation in his right throwing shoulder. He's been injured several times in his career. This is nothing new. So the Braves uh, brought up relievers Dan Winkler and Jacob Webb uh, from Gwinnett. Tuki Toussaint, who pitched six strong innings in relief of Newcomb, is going to take his spot in the rotation. And A.J. Mentor, the Braves have a new uh, meme out there. Mentor is coming to play off the Game of Thrones thing. Mentor is now the full-time closer. And uh, if he does anywhere near a good job in that, we have seen the last of Vizcaino in that role. Uh, Angels outfitter Mike Trout's injured groin, and we know how painful that can be, has improved, and the All-Star will join the team in Texas ahead of a series against the Rangers. And the Padres, well, their manager is hopping mad. Diamondbacks closer Greg Holland threw a couple of tight inside pitches to the Padres' Francisco Mejia uh, during Sunday's ninth inning and raised questions about whether it was in retaliation for the Pods pitchers hitting two D-backs with pitches on Saturday in Phoenix. Arizona manager Tori Lavulo said all that matters is that Holland got three outs to end the 8-4 to four victory. But San Diego manager Andy Green has some choice words for the umpires. Quote, umpire is being literally clueless on the field right now. That's inexcusable at that point in time. The first one, okay, maybe it slips. The second one, we know what is going on there. It's not lost on us at all. If it is lost on them, the umpires, they are not paying attention to the baseball game. End quote. Uh, Can you say a major league fine, boys and girls, coming for Mr. Andy Green? Sports Illustrated had a nice little article recently about some of the new uh, uniform changes that will be going on this season. And guess what? The Cardinals are bringing back their powder blue uniforms, which they will wear for Saturday night road games. And it's like powder blue with white trim. They have red sleeves and the red cap and the red shoes and socks. Frankly, I like it. Like Whitey Herzog type stuff. Uh, the Indians have a new alternate jersey, a red one, snazzy all-star game sleeve and cap patches. One thing the tribe will not be sporting, Chief Wahoo, the controversial Chief Wahoo, which should have been shelved a long time ago, has finally been shelved. Uh, the Phillies' infamous solid maroon Saturday night special uniform, which caused such a stir back in 1979 that it was mothballed after one game, will be revived on July 27th, a Saturday night. And if you get the looks of this thing, it is maroon red from head to toe, except for white trim. And it is ugly. Uh, By the way, the days of team-wide shoe colors are over. MLB is relaxing its footwear rules so players can wear cleats in black, white, gray, and other team colors. I noticed that uh, a couple days ago, in fact, a couple weeks ago, actually, and I think other people have as well. If you've been paying any attention to the baseball games, you're thinking, well, how come that guy's wearing a different color cleat than the other one? And uh, I think it started with uh, Bryce Harper that first day wearing those bright green for the Phillies. Uh, He was doing his homage to uh, the Philly fanatic. 
This day in baseball history, 1911, at the age of 24, Grover Cleveland Alexander made his major league debut. He lost a 5-4 decision to the Rustlers on an under and run in the 10th inning at Boston South End Grounds. The Rustlers would later become the Braves. The Philadelphia rookie will become known later in his career as Old Pete. <laughs> uh, 1915, after being uh, called the Naps since 1903, Cleveland's American League Ball Club plays its first game known as the Indians, a moniker selected from a contest to rename the team run by a local newspaper. The franchise's former name, which honored their once popular player manager, Nap Lajoie, uh, needed to be changed when the 40-year-old second baseman is sold to the A's after fighting with the team's current skipper, Joe Birmingham. This day in 1921 at Redland Field, which later would become Crosley, Pirates right fielder Chief Yellow Horse makes his major league debut against the Reds. The Pittsburgh hurler, a member of a North American Plains Indian tribe called the Pawnees, is believed by many baseball historians to be the first full-blooded American Indian to play in the big leagues. On this day in 1942 at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis, Hiram High Bithorn becomes a, the first Puerto Rican to play Major League Baseball. The Cubs right-hander from San Tursi makes a relief appearance, allowing no runs or hits during his two innings of work in Chicago's 4-2 loss to the Redbirds. And, of course, on this day in 1947, the incident that changed history, American history, uh, a year before President Truman des- desegregated the military, Jackie Robinson debuts for the Dodgers, becoming the first black player to participate in a major league game in this century or the 20th century. There had been black players in the 1800s. In front of 25,623 Ebbets Field fans, the 28-year-old first baseman, that's right, he didn't get in the major leagues till he was 28 years old. Imagine if he'd been there at 21. Is hitless in three at-bats, but scores a run in the 5-3 opening day victory over the Boston Braves. On this day in 1954, in front of a crowd of 46,000 fans, Big League Baseball returns to Baltimore. Baltimore, after a 51-year absence, when the Orioles beat Chicago in the first game played in Memorial Stadium 3-1. to And uh, they were the former St. Louis Browns and had been brought to the Charm City. Baltimore had a National League team like late 1800s, I believe early 1900s before they left. Or they've disbanded or moved to uh, and became the, what was it, the Highlanders and moved to uh, New York? Something like that. On this day in 1957, before the Senators' 7-6 loss to Baltimore in 11 innings at Griffith Stadium, President Dwight D. Eisenhower threw out the traditional ceremonial first pitch of the season. That baseball, that horse hide that he tossed was the 10 millionth Spalding baseball to be used in a major league game. Of course it wasn't. No one, I have no idea what was a 10 millionth, but that's what they called it. On this day in 1958, on opening day, the transplanted New York Giants and Brooklyn Dodgers play their first major league game on the West Coast. The California contest saw Ruben Gomez blanking L.A. and Don Drysdale at San Francisco's Seals Stadium. Not uh, the new one hadn't been built yet, Candlestick Park. Eight to nothing. On this day in 1959, Cardinal right-hander Bob Gibson made his major league debut at LA's Memorial Coliseum, tossing the final two innings and a five nothing loss to the Dodgers. The 23-year-old rookie becomes the first future Hall of Famer to give up a hurler to give up a home run to the first batter he faces in the major leagues when third baseman Jim Baxis takes him deep in the seventh inning. Bob Gibson, home run in his first batter. 
or to his first batter. On this day in 1972, on opening day in Oakland. Now, here's a kind of question on this one. I don't know if this is for the entire major leagues or just the A's franchise that was from Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Oakland. But on opening day in Oakland, A's outfielder Reggie Jackson became the first player in 58 years to wear a mustache during the regular season. The last time facial hair was won in a major league game was in 1914 when Wally Shane had hair above his lip catching for the Philadelphia Athletics. Have to look into that. Uh, 1990 on this day, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball makes its debut with John Miller and Joe Morgan behind the microphones, a broadcasting team that will remain in the booth for the next 21 seasons, long past the time they should have. The early stages of the Sport Network's uh, coverage on Sunday evenings calls for every ballpark to host a game, assuring each team at least one appearance on national television throughout the season. God forbid that ever happen again. Because we can't, we got to see a Yankees, Red Sox every friggin' other weekend. Anyway, or they do what they did this last one, where they'll have the Mets play the Braves and they'll only talk about the Mets. Anyway, uh, but I'm kind of a homer in that, aren't I? I used to like John Miller until he uh, about two or three years ago. I was driving me and my dog were on our way down to Jekyll Island on the coast, and I was it was a, it was a hot day leaving Atlanta. I'll, I'll admit that. But they have air conditioning now here in the South. And John Miller of San Francisco Giant fame was bitching, and I mean bitching, about how hot it was in Atlanta. And basically what he was saying, I don't have his exact quote, how could anyone live here, much less play here in the city of Atlanta? And I'm going, you fat son of a... Anyway, and uh, Joe Morgan, who is my favorite all-time second baseman of all time, on any team that I would start... Basically, you know, my greatest nine players, if I was going to start a baseball team, Joe Morgan would be my second baseman. Roberto Alomar would be his backup. Joe Morgan, a horrible broadcaster, bitter all his days for the Braves knocking uh, the Giants out of the, the <laughs> toward the end of his career, out of the playoffs back in the 90s. Uh, he should have been out of that booth a long time before. But I can tell you what, with the way he would uh, pop that that left arm at bat and his left-handed swing and the way he played ball and what a spark plug he was for the big red machine. Man, Joe Morgan, one of my favorite players to watch all time. Well, I'm Pete Davis. That's another episode of Holy Crap It Sports. You can uh, send me questions, cards, letters, uh, Pete Davis one at yahoo.com. That's Pete Davis, the number one, at yahoo.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Pete Davis one so once again, the number one, at Pete Davis one I'd love to hear from you. I don't have any letters to do today because I didn't check it before I walked in here, which is my fault. Sorry about that. But uh, as always, if you want to listen while we're still on the air at uh, Talk 106.7 FM Atlanta uh, on The Kimmer Show. I do sports on The Kimmer Show every day about between 5.15 and 5.25. Uh, you can hear us in Atlanta from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Atlanta Time in the afternoons until uh, they issue. We've already been fired, by the way, because they sold the station to a Christian, uh, a faux Christian station in California because, you know, everybody's been saved by a Christian pop. That's brought a lot of people. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, I'm Pete Davis. This is Holy Crap It Sports. Want to hear what your opinions about this as well. Uh, One question I keep hearing is, am I ever going to add music? Yes, I'm going to do that. One of these days, I'm going to get off my but and I'm going to add music to this. But anyway, uh, you can follow this on iTunes. Uh, you can follow this on Buzzsprout. You can follow us on um, 
Well, I put it on Facebook and Twitter as well. You can follow me on Facebook if you want. I'm friending just about everybody these days. I'm a really friendly guy. Anyway, everybody have a lovely rest of the evening. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you think. And uh, it's time for, why don't we just pretend we're Motley Crue and pop another low and brow. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will flow. Must be something more right now. Here's to good friends. Here's to low and brow. Everybody, have a lovely night.